For others of you, your vision may be simple in your mind, but no less important because you may say to yourself, well, you know what? I just want to be functional. (laughs) You know, my life is so dysfunctional right now that if I just had sort of a peaceful, joyful, optimistic life, that would be a great thing right now. Well, for that to happen, you're going to have to get a vision. And again, it could be in your relationship, in your marriage, in your family. It can be any one, I would suppose, of hundreds of areas that potentially God might be working on you and in you and is His will that He's wanting you to see before you will actually seize. And so we've been talking about vision. And of course, God is a great God and, and He can do anything. He's sovereign. He can do the impossible. But one of the things that I found out just in my own personal life and since I'm the pastor and I give leadership to a church and because of that, oftentimes I have to cast vision with regards to the church or to people. I have found that you can have all sorts of great vision. You can have these over-the-top thoughts and aspirations and dreams. But one of the things that I have found that always comes back to me very quickly is the problem of resources. I mean, you can have a great vision, but how many of you know it takes money to get to where you're going? Sure it does. Most of what we dream and see usually takes a little resource of some kind in order to get to where we need to be. We would all do instantly what we know God has shown us we're to do if we could just afford to do it. Now, I want to show you just as a real quick clip, a DVD video clip, overhead and 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 i saw it and i instantly said wouldn't it be great if this is how god worked in our life watch the clip overhead Wouldn't it be great if it just rained from the sky? You're sitting in your living room and all of a sudden the Lord just opened up the ceiling and it all just began to fall on top of you. Well, I cannot guarantee for you this morning that money will drop from heaven, but I can tell you the principle I really do believe is true and I put it on the screen overhead. It's from Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was probably the the original, we could point to him, the original person who opened up China to the gospel. And this is what Hudson Taylor said. He said, God's will done God's way will never lack God's resources. For where God guides, he provides. That's a principle that I believe is true. Hudson Taylor received a vision for China in the late 1800s. And and because of this one man, he literally opened that gigantic nation to the work of the gospel. In fact, you could point to Hudson Taylor. He was the spiritual uh, father, the spiritual dad, so to speak, to Watchman Nee and Little Flock and all the renewal movements that took place, the house church, all those things that have taken place through the years in China, you can trace back to the work of Hudson Taylor. So, so one person can make a difference, but the question is, how do you, how do you resource this thing? How do you finance this thing? If you've got a vision for something in your life, I would suspect resources are to some measure a factor as to whether or not what you're believing God for will come to pass. So, so my lesson this morning, I've simply entitled, How Do I Resource This Vision? 
How does God get to me the resources that I need in order really to do what it is he's asking me to do? Now, I want to read a couple passages to you that I believe are helpful in our understanding. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He's actually uh, writing to the Corinthians. He's making note of the Macedonians in this particular passage. I want you to know something about the Macedonians. The Macedonians were an impoverished people in the world's eyes. They didn't have many resources. They didn't have much money. In fact, Paul would look at them and say, I know when you gave, that you gave out of really your lack or out of, out of your impoverishment because you just didn't have a lot of money uh, to be able to do this. But he said, because you did this, because you've understood some of these principles, God will return. It says that God who gives seed to the sower will cause every blessing to come upon you. So he's dealing with the people that, that aren't rich people. He's dealing with folks that don't have a lot of money stashed away. And, and so he's beginning to talk to them a little bit about how resources are to come into their life. And in verse 8, I'm only going to read that 8th verse. You could read the whole chapter. It's a great chapter. This is what he says. He says, and God is able. Isn't that cool? And God is able to make all grace or his empowerment you know, grace is not just God's ability to excuse you from wrong actions or God's ability to, to be able to overlook those areas that you fall short in. That's not the only definition of grace. Grace is empowerment. Grace is God's moving in your life to enable you to do things you couldn't normally do. He says, I, I can make, God is able to make all grace abound towards you. It's not, it's not just dribbling towards you. It's abounding towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an, what? What's that word again? Abundance for every good work. Isn't that a cool verse? I mean, you got about three alls in there. He says it's going to be abundant and it will come for every, not just a few peoples, not just sometimes, but for every good work. Now flip over to the book of Philippians. Hey, that kind of works there. Flip to Philippians. <laughs> Philippians 4, verse 19. Many of you have this memorized already, but now you know where it's located. Philippians 4.19, we read this. It says, And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He shall supply part of your need. No, what, what is it again? One more time. What does all mean? Very good, very good. All means all. So every person who has ever had a vision, whether we find them in the Bible, whether you've read about them in a book, whether maybe you've seen someone on TV, or maybe they're living next door to you, but every single person has had to face the resource question. I want you to think about this for just a minute. Just think about some biblical characters as I mention them to you. Think about Abraham. Abraham was told to pick up and move to a new land. Well, how was he going to get there? God just said, pick up and go to a new land. Moses was told to deliver five million people from their Egyptian bondage 
and to take them to that land. Have you ever wondered who's underwriting that trip? All of a sudden, Nehemiah, as he is, as he is being a servant to the king, gets burdened to rebuild the broken walls in Jerusalem. Now, you've got to realize that one of the cupbearer's responsibilities was to, to taste of, you know, the cup before the king got it. And you realize why they did that, don't you? It was so the king wouldn't get poisoned. So they went through cupbearers rather quickly, I guess. And, but here's a cupbearer. I don't know how much a cupbearer got paid, but could you imagine on a cupbearer's salary being given the burden or the vision to begin to repair all the walls around this great city. Haggai and Zechariah had a vision to restore the temple. Now think about it. Have you ever tried to restore a temple, the likes of Solomon's temple, on a prophet's offering? I mean, how are these things going to get resourced? Paul was given a vision to reach the Gentiles in every known nation. How was Paul going to do this? Who is going to buy his, you know, cruise tickets? Who is going to, who is going to underwrite his donkey costs? I mean, I mean, how do you get resources for these things that God is asking of you to do? And truth be told, for most people, we don't pursue a God vision because we get tangled up in the resource question. I mean, we get, we have an easy time dreaming of what God could do. We'll even go so far as to say, I believe he wants to do this. But what sort of puts a, puts a wet blanket on the whole deal is, is, is how am I going to pay for this? How am I going to get this resource? And once you begin to think about the resource question, it begins to produce worry, anxiety, fear. How many dreams and how many visions will forever be lost because of the famous phrase, I just don't have the money. Oh, I'm sure if I were Donald Trump, that would be no problem. Sure, Donald Trump can do a vision because, I mean, he's got billions. I mean, if I were a millionaire, I could do the vision. Because if I was a millionaire, resource would be no problem and I could instantly underwrite everything that God was asking of me to do. If I had more saved up in savings, I know if I won the lottery, if I could only be that guy who bought the ticket in Columbia at that quick trip station and got the $260 million, I'm set. Maybe God would do that for me and then I could do the vision. I could move forward, but I don't have the resources. I just don't have the resources. Well, I'm going to share with you this morning just a couple of things. I figure if we can get a couple bullet points in you, it'll get you started and hopefully it'll encourage you and at the same time cause you to embrace what it may be God is doing in your life. I want you to know that vision and provision are linked together. You know, the word provision actually means for vision. So vision, you've got a vision, you've got a dream, you've got an aspiration, you've got this thing out here that you really feel like God's asking you to do, you, you've got the resource question, you've got to realize that the vision and provision resources are linked together. Whatever God promises and reveals, he's more than willing to pay for. In fact, if God is relying on our meager resources to accomplish what probably is an impossible dream, then how many of you realize that doesn't add up even in God's economy? 
You see, for my vision, I'm talking, let's just say, I'll just use me as the personal example to begin with. If I have a vision, it is my job as an individual to see it, to speak it, to believe it, and to even, as we mentioned last week, put some faith steps in it. But listen to me, it is God's responsibility to resource it and to bring it to pass. The Lord gives you something impossible. Listen to me. The Lord gives you impossible things. He never gives you something possible. He gives you the impossible. Why is that? It's so you will know that it is Him. And so He'll give you impossible things that will confound you at times. They may even confuse you at times in the natural. But He gives us these impossible things so He can be sure we don't attempt it without Him. God never speaks vision unless he's thoroughly prepared to release resource to you, provision. Now, let me just ask this question, and you can testify, just wave at me. How many of you right now know that there are some things you would do if you just had a few more bucks? Look at that, it's just about everybody. But maybe, you're, maybe you, know, you don't have anything you want to do. Or, uh, or maybe you've got everything you need socked away. That's great, wonderful. But for most people, if they just had a few more dollars... Uh, they would be willing to go forward. So at this very moment, whatever it is that God has given to you is your life's vision. And again, remember, it can be relationship, career, ministry. It can be any one of hundreds of things. Listen, this is good news. There's resource waiting to be released. Isn't that cool? Listen, hear me. If you've got a dream, there's resource waiting to be released to you. That's an incredible thought to me. I know what you're saying. You're saying, well, if that's true, then God sure does a good job of hiding it. You're right. He is hiding it. He hides provision until you decide to act on that vision. Are you hearing me? He's hiding his resource until you decide that you're ready to act on that vision. I've listened to people through the years. I've listened to rich people say this. And I've listened to poor people say this. For years, say these words. As soon as I save up, as soon as I save up, you know, X amount of dollars. As soon as I save it up, that's when I believe God's going to release me to fill in the blank. As soon as, as soon as I see all of this, it's when he's going to let me, let me be released into this, this destiny. Listen, I know a guy right now who has said this for years. And I'm, and I'm, and I don't usually tell these kind of stories, but I'm going to tell it because I know it and, and I know it to be true. But this, this has been confessed for years. This is what he said. He has said that God has spoke to him. Now, I, I need to say this too. I think about a hundred things I need to say. Usually when someone comes to me and they say, God told me, <laughs> I usually look at them and go, what that means is, when you come up and say, God told me, the first thing that goes through my mind is, is this, number one, is you don't want my opinion. Because who am I to argue with God? Isn't that true? If God told you, what do you need to hear from me for? God told you. So the, that's the first thing that goes on in my mind. So people bound up to me and said, God told me, God said this to me, and most of the time I'll just smile and go, cool, great. Now, it may violate, you know, 25 different scriptural precepts, but you're just going to hear me say, cool, because who am I to argue with God? Maybe, maybe for you, he lets you violate precept, but he doesn't do that for me. Yeah, wrong answer. So, 
so, so a person comes up. And so that's why when someone usually says, God told me this, I'll just, you know, you just, usually you just have to go let them crash. And then once they come back, after they've crashed, they'll come back and go, well, maybe I didn't hear from God. Well, you think? But anyway, the point being is, and if God speaks to you, and he does speak to us, then, then have every confidence to go forward in what God has told you to do. But, but I'm just stepping back because I usually don't address this when people say God told me because it's just not, it's not worth, it's not worth generating an offense looking someone in the face who just told you God told them and saying, are you sure? Because what they think is at that point is you're, you're trying to douse my dream. You're trying to douse what God's doing in my life. You just want to control me. Okay, do what God told you to do. God bless you. And if it's God, it'll work out. If it's not God, then I guess we'll all get to see it. So God bless. So that's why, you know, I don't even usually get into this. But I just thought this was a good little side note to get into today. So I, I know this gentleman who, who, who says, God told him, God told him, God told him. He's got this destiny. He's got it mapped out. It's this awesome thing. It has to do with ministry. But this is what he said. He said that the Lord told him that he was to save in the bank $10 million dollars. And as soon as he saved in the bank $10 million, then he could be released into his ministry. Now, most people that have heard that, and I know some have, most people that hear something like that say, well, wow, isn't that cool? God spoke to him about that. You know, that's how we are in our circles. Whenever somebody says God told him, whoa. God spoke to you. Cool. I mean, we don't even begin to think it through. And so, so we just say, well, that must be cool. God spoke to him about that. Let me tell you something. God, I'll say it out loud because nobody would probably know them. I'm just, so I can say it out loud. God never said that to that man. You say, how can you, how could you judge that? How do you know that? Find me one confirming scripture and I'll backpedal on that one. Find me one. You can never find one instance in the Bible where Scripture says, save up millions and millions of dollars and then you can obey the will of God. You'll never find one. Remember, Jesus came along. He didn't look at these fishermen and say, hey, you guys, sock away several million in your fishing companies and as soon as you're done socking it away, come see me because we, I don't have anything to give you. What did they do? They dropped their nets and they had to take a step and as soon as they stepped guess what fish were coughing up gold coins are you following me i mean think about the rich young ruler the rich young ruler comes up to jesus i mean this is a fine young man this is somebody let me tell you something this guy could really help the ministry this rich young ruler, I mean, he's got dollars. He could be a real resourcer of this ministry. And so he comes up to Jesus. Look at that. I know how pastors think. He sees this rich young ruler and he's saying to himself, finally, finally the building program is going to happen. We can clear the trees. Hallelujah. What does Jesus do? Jesus does... I See, Jesus never went to the latest church growth seminar. I mean, he, Jesus just doesn't get how this thing's supposed to work. He should have said, yes, I'll take you in. God has given you to me to resource the ministry. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus said this. He said, yeah, you're a righteous guy. You're doing a lot of good things. Sounds like your character's in order because you're obeying commandments. All that's cool. But he looks at the rich young ruler and he says these words. He says, sell all you have, get rid of it all and come follow me. 
And you know the story. The story was the young guy dropped his head and he walked away very sad because the scripture said he had many possessions. Now hear me, this is really important because a lot of people think that Jesus is just calling us all to give it all away. Let me tell you, if if all of us just did that, we would all be poor. What I believe was going on at that particular moment was he was zeroing in on that rich young ruler's comfortability levels and he was challenging him at just this point. You see, the rich young ruler had a vision to follow Jesus, but you see, he'd already saved up all of his money So when the disciples went into town having to trust for resource or for a miracle moment to even put their head on a soft place to go to sleep at night, this rich young ruler wouldn't have had to worry about that. He could have financed his own hotel bill. And Jesus was saying, I don't want you to finance your own hotel bill. I want you to get up every morning and begin to trust God with the rest of us that he's going to open up a door and he's going to resource our meals, our sleeping arrangements, and everything we're going to need. And the, and the rich young ruler said, whoa, 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 whoa. I, 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 I don't know that I can handle that. I always wondered if the guy would have given it all away what the Lord would have done in his life. What about the guy in the parable? You know the guy in the parable that started accruing lots of stuff? And in the parable, he began to build, the Bible said, bigger barns in order to accommodate all that he'd accrued. Because we all know, he who dies with the most toys still dies. But he had places to put it all. And it says that he, that he eventually said out loud, soul take thine ease. And it didn't do him any good. You see, when that happens in our life, these things happen. You begin to determine whether or not it's your vision and your way or whether it's God's vision and his way. So so the Lord is talking to us that that we're going to have to do some things in faith. We're going to have to step in faith to some things in order for this hidden resource to be released. Now, before we get to some of the things we got to do, let me just... Let me just talk about prosperity for a minute because I get zipped on this a lot. You know, we teach prosperity here and a lot of people don't understand prosperity. And and, and I'll just be honest, there are a lot of people that don't teach prosperity correctly. So let me just talk a little bit about a misconception in the area of prosperity. God prospers us. Listen to me. He prospers us in order that his purposes in our life can be adequately resourced. Are you hearing me? God prospers us in order that his purposes in our life can be adequately resourced. And for some people, I believe this, that the reason their prosperity level doesn't move is because they aren't willing to move out into his purposes. As soon as you made a move into his purposes, you would probably find resources increasing. Listen, I may have put this on the screen. Prosperity does not mean that tomorrow's need is met today, but rather today's need is met today. That's what prosperity means. Otherwise, why, why would Jesus have taught us the prayer? You know, give us this day what? Our what? Give us this day our daily bread. Not tomorrow's bread. Do you realize with the children of Israel, he didn't give them tomorrow's manna so they could store it up. In fact, it spoiled after a few hours. So every morning, the children of Israel, while they were in the wilderness, couldn't gather up all this supernatural manna and just stash it for a rainy day. 
it spoiled. God, God literally was, was driving out of them these, these concepts of somehow I've got to just, I've just got to grab and keep and hold on to. He's saying, I've got to drive this out of you. If you're going to get into what I've called you to do, you're going to have to take some faith steps in this thing. The Lord doesn't do this because he wants to keep us impoverished, but he does this in order that we would keep trusting him. See, true prosperity, I believe I put it on the screen, true prosperity is when you reach the place that there is no worry, anxiety, or stress. Everything you need is found in Him. That's what true prosperity is. Do you know that right now there are people that have gajillions of dollars? I don't even know that gajillion is a word, but they just they have more money than they could spend in three, four, five, ten lifetimes. And do you realize that right now they are under such anxiety and such worry and such concern, especially with markets and the economy? Do you understand? Because here's the misconception. The misconception, I believe the enemy seeds this into so many people by telling them this. If you just had more money, life would be better. Now, I believe that that resource is important. I believe money has a place in that. All of us have bills to pay. I would like a little extra money. But truth of the matter is, just because you get more money doesn't necessarily take away your anxiety. As a matter of fact, it might increase some of y'all's anxiety. I can guarantee you, I mentioned this before, back in the year 2000 with all the Y2K issues, you would be amazed at how many wealthy people called me on the phone wanting to get prophetic insight as to what was going to happen because you remember what everybody was saying when we went from 1999 to 2000. We were going to have a blackout. Everything was going to go crazy. Well, you know what? It didn't bother me. 1999, let the whole world shut down. It didn't go affect my bank account any. I just take my 200 bucks out of the ATM and I'm cool. My biggest concern was 200 bucks. I got a propane tank, a barbecue. I got me a cooler with some extra meat and chicken in it. My 200 bucks, I'm set for Y2K. But what do you do with the people that got gajillions of dollars? I mean, they were frantic and in a panic. See, I'm invested in the kingdom. When I'm invested in the kingdom, let me tell you something. When the windows of heaven are open, I may not have as much money today as other people have, but I will assure you I'm going to end well. I'm going to end real well. The greatest error, I believe, amongst those that teach prosperity is that we have reduced prosperity down to simply having excess. I mean, I believe in prosperity. I believe God prospers us. You can't read his Bible without knowing that he prospers us. If, and I believe that if you give, you receive. I believe there's the sowing and reaping. I believe that there's 30, 60, 100 fold returns. I believe these things. You've been around me long enough to know I teach this stuff. But the problem is, in our circles, we've, we've turned prosperity into self-consumption. And, and finally, what we've done is, is we say to ourselves, I'm prospering if I have excess. If I have all this stuff around me, then I'm, then I'm prosperous. Well, you know, America at one time thought itself to be a prosperous nation because we've had more than we needed. But what has happened is, is that as a nation, we have lost our trust in God. And I believe that we are losing our vision as to why we exist as a nation. And what's happening is our resources are drying up. Yes. 
I believe this nation has a God destiny on it. I believe that God had plans for this nation. The scripture says that he has plans for nations. And the minute we lose sight of what God's vision is for us as a people, resource starts getting hidden again. It dries up. The same thing happens to businesses when it loses its vision. It dries up. The same thing happens to churches when it loses its vision. It begins to dry up. It it happens in individuals' lives as well. We think we're being safe, but we're drying up because we're not pressing into what God has for us. I I learned, you know, I may not be the smartest, smartest guy in the kingdom. I may not be, you know, the sharpest knife in the drawer, you know, whatever saying we might use. I may not be, I may not be the epitome of, smarts but i learned i've learned a few things i'm a quick learner i may i may be dumb at times but i'll learn real fast you get enough pain you'll learn and i can tell you right now there are many well endowed mainline denominational churches that have millions of dollars listen to me there are churches that have millions of dollars in their accounts that they're sitting on millions of dollars it's their they call it their rainy day fund they're expecting one more rain and they've got all this money, but they're dying inside. They're dying inside. I mean, you couldn't pay me. There's not enough money that you could pay me to go pastor at this current moment an Episcopalian church. I'll just say it out loud because it's in the newspaper all the time. I figure if it's in the newspaper, everyone knows. You couldn't, you couldn't pay me to go do that. Because despite having millions and millions of dollars that they've accrued through a couple centuries, they are dying inside and they don't get it. I read in the paper the other day. I'm just saying what I read in the paper. This is not exposing. It's in the paper. Lutherans decided the other day by voting like 56 to 44. So I don't know. They took a vote. And so now they decided, they've decided that homosexual relationships are cool. That's what they decided. They took a vote. Don't you understand? We voted on it. We voted. I don't care if they've got millions in the bank. They are dying on the inside. They've lost their way. I'll just, I'll tell you, this isn't a secret. I mean, as a church, Legacy, we're in pretty, we're in pretty good shape as a church. We're a healthy church. But I can be honest with you, we pretty much live month to month. I mean, we're seven years old. You know, we're not 285 years old or however old some of these are, but, but we're seven years old. You know, we've got just this little, building fund that we're accruing again because you know we had to we had to pay off one of our notes so we're accruing again little by little and uh this is what i have found i have found that god keeps paying the bills for vision as long as we as a people keep moving forward even by faith god will keep paying the bills god will keep releasing his power his life his his presence his hope his healing Now, you say, well, pastor, are you telling me you wouldn't like a few million? If you want to write the check, I will gratefully redeem it. Gratefully redeem it. And I believe absolutely that there will be a moment that when we need the million dollar check stroked off, that God, at the moment we step, he will resource it. I believe that. I don't need my million now, but I may need it sometime in the future and I believe God has more than enough in his account to get it to me and yes there is a righteous place 
There is a righteous place for saving for the future. The Bible speaks about saving for your future. It talks about preparing for your latter years. There's nothing wrong with these things. But for some, we do it because we are so fear-motivated. Because we're afraid we won't have. And that's the spirit of poverty that's on us. And God's saying there's a place for that. There's, there's an appropriate place for these things. But you've got to get fear off your life. No, I don't know the future. I don't know what the market's going to do. I don't know what 401ks are going to do or my IRA. I don't know what these things are going to do. But you know what? Whatever it does, this is, this is what I like. One, one person I've known used this phrase. You know what? If I lose some money, I'll just go make some more. It's just money. So we break that fear off of us and we begin to understand that if I move in faith, that's where God is. God's not in your fear. Nowhere near it. In fact, he, he is absolutely antagonized and alienated from our fears. But the minute you get to faith, God begins to move. God begins to move. So let's talk about how does resource come? I'm going to give you a couple quick principles, and I think I'm even going to be done early today. Can you say amen to that? Everybody can say amen to that. Come on, if you can't say amen to anything else. Yeah. All right. But I feel that anointing off that, wow, now it might take me. No. What you need to know and what you need to remember as the Lord sends resource your way. I'm just going to give you a couple quick bullet points here. Number one, God is your source. <laughs> this is so simple, you would think that I could just ignore it, but I can't. God is your source. Your employer is not your source. Now, your employer may write your paycheck, but that doesn't mean he's your source. This church writes my paycheck. But you are not my source. I love you. I appreciate you. Don't misunderstand. You are generous, and I appreciate that. But you got to, I'm talking about how it works in your mind and in your spirit. You can't be my source. The reason you can't be my source is because you are limited i got to tap into that which is unlimited. God is my source. Deuteronomy 8.18, guys, if you have that, flash it on the screen overhead. It says, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant, which He swore to your fathers as it is this day. God, God prospers us in order that He can establish His covenant. And we need a whole new mentality to be implanted inside of us that God is our source. Your rich aunt is not your source. Your parents, when they kick the bucket, are not your source. People are not your source. The millionaire that might show up next week is not our source. God is our source. He may use these people in your life, but they are not your source. God is your source. God is your source. Your vision is not subject to the whims of the economy or the environment or who walks in and out that door. That's why, for me, I've reached the place where if I offend the most generous giver in the congregation because I speak truth to them, then so be it because they're not my source. God will send me ten who love the truth. And I've seen this more times than I can count. That you'll lose one that you'll say, oh, sweet Jesus, they were generous people. What are we going to do? And God will send ten more people that will eclipse them. I've seen it. 
It's because God is your source. So you got to get that in your system. Can you, can you write that down and put it on your refrigerator or on your mirror so you wake up every morning and realize God is my source? You say, well, I got laid off. Well, hallelujah. Then God must be ready to give you something new to do. Because He's your source. Well, this door shut on me. What am I going to do? Well, praise God, He's closing a door because that probably would have destroyed you. There'll be another one that'll open up for you. Because God's your source. They aren't my source anymore. God's my source. I, boy, that could be an hour right there. God is my source. Number two. You will have to work hard. Nehemiah is a great example of how most vision that God gives works. Nehemiah was, Nehemiah was working hard at what I mentioned, an important job. Cup bear, which means he drank the cup, made sure there's no poison in it. And um, it wasn't a job that everyone was scrambling for. But he did the cupbearer's job. I mean, it was, can you imagine? I mean, think of a job right now in your mind. Just think, everybody stop and think. Think of some job that you know nobody wants. Now, you realize in America, we, they talk about, you know, illegal immigration and certain people groups do certain jobs that other people groups won't do. And so there are jobs in our, in our culture that some people just don't want to do. Think about those jobs for just a moment and realize that Nehemiah was doing a job nobody wanted to do. But because he did a job nobody wanted to do. And let me just say this. Nehemiah, you aren't called to be a cupbearer. I, I mean, I, mean I, I was going to say this. I've told Trace this before. That I don't believe God calls everyone to be martyrs. Because if you're called to be a martyr, he'll use you once. You're following me now, aren't you? Hallelujah. He'll use you, but he'll only use you once. It's kind of like a cupbearer. He'll use you, but, uh, you know, the attrition rate on cupbearers was probably pretty high. Nobody wanted this job. I can tell you, Nehemiah probably didn't feel all that called to it. But it was while he was doing what no one else wanted to do. It was while he was doing what probably he didn't want to do and what he knew he probably wasn't called to do. It was while he was in that moment that God began to speak to him. And in speaking to him, he caught a vision and he caught a burden about rebuilding those walls. And, and all of a sudden, this cupbearer, who probably was only making minimum wage, because they didn't have, you know, there wasn't many promotions because you just lost them so often. And so... So, so here he is probably doing minimum wage, gets this vision to rebuild these walls, multi-million dollar vision. How in the world is all this going to work? It was because he was working hard at what he wasn't called to do that he gained favor with the one that God would use to resource him in that vision. Now, the next time you're complaining about doing something you don't want to do, you could be in the very location God will use to let you know that he's sending resource your way. Now, it didn't end there. He received favor from the king. But Nehemiah had to organize and work to accomplish the vision. Moses had to work for years in the wilderness before his vision was released in order that he could lead the people out. Now, maybe, I'm sure he did some sheep tending and other things, and maybe that was really relatable to leading five million Israelis out of Egypt. I suspect at the time, he probably was wondering, what does this have to do with anything in regards to my future? 
Paul had to make tents in order to resource and begin to resource the vision God was calling him to do. Luke was a doctor. He went around doctoring and doing the physician thing. Even as he was doing what the vision was that God had asked him to do. I'll just say this. Lazy people are disqualified from vision. You know, we've turned waiting on the Lord into lazy. I'm just waiting on the Lord. No, you're not. You're lazy. Or you're slothful. You could be either one of the two. Take your choice. See, the Lord's not going to enable our lazy. You know, there are so many stories. Here in a couple weeks, uh, my older son, some of you don't know him. He was, he was with us for a time here at Legacy, and God opened doors for him, Clayton. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited about him being able to come because he doesn't get away uh, that often. He's just extremely busy. But I started to think about Clay, and, and, and uh, you know, I won't, take, I won't take much credit. I'll give his mom more credit for uh, a lot of the things that go on, not only in his life, but all of our children's lives. Um, but I just started thinking about Clay, and we've tried to instill this in our children, and, and I share this not because I think they're any better than anyone else's. I hope I share this just as a little life's lesson that you can get a glimpse into our household and see what it is we do, and then maybe you can take some of those things that you know bear witness, and you'll begin to apply them in your household. And I was thinking about Clay, and you know, we made Clay work through high school. Even while he was doing sports, he, he worked. Well, why, why did you do that? Which, because work's okay. I don't, do you like to eat? Oh, okay. Well, well, work helps in that regard. And, uh, and then he got the call. He got a burden to go to Australia. And that was kind of an out-of-the-box thing for us. And so we worked through that. And we sent him off to Australia. And while he was in Australia, you know, he ate ramen noodles. I mean, I don't know what ramen noodles cost. About a quarter or something. I don't know. The kid lived off those ramen noodles, you know, and, and while he was in Australia. But he had to work in Australia, too. He worked at this sunglass place in, uh, in the mall. And, and, you know, I even know that Tracy, Tracy had to do some things and had to work. We did some things in order to help get him uh, into his vision and what his dream was. And, uh, you know, he still went to, to the college where he was at. And, you know, we told him when he went to Australia, this is what we told him. We sat him down and said, listen, Clay, I, let me tell you how it works. Whether it works at this church this way or not, this is how it works in the kingdom. You serve your way to greatness. You work your way to greatness. And, and, and when you come in and, and if pe- they need people to set up chairs, you get there early and you set up chairs. When the event's over and everybody's walking out of the door, you stay late and make sure everything's cleaned up, put up, and, and it's all arranged. You don't have to make a big deal about it. Don't wait to get asked, did we not? We told him, this, this is how you, you, you get into greatness. You know, some of the students, you probably couldn't believe this. Some people went to Australia, and what they did was they went to Hillsong, but they were just like on this extended vacation. That's not hard to believe, probably, is it? They got to a foreign country. They're away from mom and dad. Hallelujah. I'm free. And they wouldn't serve, and they wouldn't stay late, and they wouldn't do these things. Oh, they were studying for the ministry. You've got to understand, everybody's studying for the ministry. I'm called, I'm called to be in the ministry. I'm not called to set up chairs. I'm called in the ministry. <laughs> I'm not called to do this. I'm, um, obviously, my skill set and gifts are far more impressive and massive that I should waste them on chairs. You know how it is. It, it's funny. People have learned how to spiritualize their rebellion and when they don't want, you know, to have to just up front say no. They just say, God hadn't called me to that. Like, you hadn't asked God. What? 
he would want you to do. And plus, you don't always know God's way to get there. And so he did this. And so he got done with his schooling and found great favor. In fact, he's one of the few Americans that ever got to lead worship on a Hillsong platform because he served. And he came back because he wanted to honor me. Didn't know this till later. He just wanted to honor me because I just bugged the hound at him. When are you coming back? I'd really love to have you back. You know, I'm just doing this whole thing. Come back. So he wanted to honor me. I didn't even know till he got back and he told me he had opportunity to travel with that United Band. I mean, that, that's an incredible thing. But, but he practiced a precept. Now, hear me now. Clay ain't perfect because, believe me, I've seen him grow up. I mean, I know the dirt. And there's some dirt. So don't think for a minute this is this perfect, pristine, angelic child who just all of a sudden, you know, always did what was right. Let me tell you something. Clay's butt was worn out for the first 10 years of his life. I said butt, didn't I? His rear end. For those of you that might not appreciate a conjunction like that. Anyway. And he came out, and I'm just telling you, this is how it works. And he came here to do something. Listen to me. Now, I love Legacy. I love you. I'm here for the rest of my life. I think you guys are the greatest. I think we got the greatest thing going anywhere, period. That's me, because it's my vision. But God called him. And I'm just telling you, young man had get, got a chance to travel with a big time band and all these things. But he decided to practice a precept and he came here and he worked. And he worked with the kids and he, and he worked in the worship department. And you know, this is what's interesting, folks. And I want you to say this with all love. Not, it's just a couple. It wasn't everyone. Everyone was very kind. But there were a couple people that all they could see was clay, but they couldn't see anointing. That's all they could see. They just saw clay. And, and, and there were times he'd come to me, he says, I feel a little frustrated with this. And I said, I can totally understand. But you just keep being faithful. You keep working. And God opened up a door for him. And listen, I'm just, and I am proud of my, my, my son, but I'm using it as an illustration. He went to free chapel. He started at the bottom of the totem pole. It is a high, highly intense, hardworking, you're putting 60, 70, 80 hours in. And God's opened doors that he's now the youth pastor, he is the youth pastor, right? You've been there, Alex. He's the youth pastor. He, he gets to go place. He gets to go to California at least a couple times a month. He's leading worship there. God's opening doors for him. He sent me a Facebook the other day. He said, Dad, I was preaching. 25 kids got saved at youth group. There were 69 visitors there. God's doing over-the-top awesome things. Doors are opening up for me to go across the nation. I can't wait to see you face-to-face and be able to tell you all the things that are going on. I'm telling you, you say to yourself, well, that's just because you know how to network. No, it's because someone knew how to work you got to learn how to work it just doesn't happen like that that's work and somebody right now i'm prophesying in this house somebody right now probably nobody you would think but somebody probably right now in this house is getting ready to be catapulted into their destiny but they're in an obscure position that nobody else wants to do likes to do or even esteems But you just stay tough, hang faithful, and God will open up a door for you that'll send you into the next level. It's not a fluke, it's not an accident, it is a principle, a house principle of God. But most of the body of Christ won't get off their blessed assurance because they won't give them any work. 
Get up and work. Come on, flip a burger at McDonald's. Run the, run the checkout stand. You may run into a multimillionaire who looks you in the eye and says, I want to pull you out of here and I'm going to do... That you'd never find unless you flipped a burger or two. Are you, are you following me? How does God resource this thing? He goes to the other side of the tracks. He goes out like the prophet did at the house of Jesse when he was looking for a new king. And here are all the brothers standing up in their Armani suits looking good. They've got skills. They've got talent. They comb their hair right. They've got the Don Johnson look, you know, with the stubble on their face. They've got the pointy shoes all leathered up. Dad brings them out. Says, these guys have got to be the next king. And the prophet goes through and says, nope, it's none of them. You got anyone else around here? And the dad goes, well, we do have little David. He's out watching the sheep. Didn't take a shower this morning. I apologize for that. And the prophet says, bring him here. And he looks at them, looks at David, and he says, this is the guy. Doing something nobody else in the house wanted to do. But he tended the sheep, and no one else could see it, but God saw it. See, that's our problem. Boy, I feel an anointing now. See, that's our problem in the body of Christ. We see the natural so well. We are experts in the natural so well. My biggest thrill is this. Of course, they aren't with us anymore. I don't give a rip anymore. See, I, I've been set free. When you've been set free, truth is easy. There are a lot of people, they just aren't with us anymore because truth just bugged them. It wasn't Pat. You see, that's a, that's a, I already got on that one. You know, it's not pastor running people off. It's pastor just saying the truth. I'm not going to lie to people. You want a pastor that lies? I don't think so. But I, tell, I just said, this is what's so interesting. The thing that this tickles me the most, even with my own son, is that there were people who complained about him while he was here. Well, I can't believe he's here. I can't believe this. Well, you know what? Believe it now. He's flying all over the nation. And you keep doing your piddly thing. Because what you couldn't see spiritually, all you could see was the natural. All you could see was, well, that's just pastor's son. And pastor's just doing it because it's his son. You know what? Pastor understands precept, folks. He gets it. And God will override all the voices to open up doors of destiny. And I'm telling you, there's destiny in this house, but you're going to have to break out of just your brain cramping here and there and begin to see what God uses. He loves you. He wants you. But you, we're going to have to work at some things and serve at some things. That's what it means to dig out a ministry. Digging out your future. Hallelujah. I'm not sure I'm done with that one yet, but... Number three, I got to hurry. People, how do you resource? Well, people come help in this thing. People love to give to things that are God's vision. They'll give their time, their money, their work, their passion, their energy. Nehemiah couldn't do what he had had it not been for people helping in the vision. I, I understand this. Folks, we can't do legacy unless we all do this. It's not just about me or Trace or Baird. It's about us. So we, people got to participate in the work and in the vision. Number four, there will also be supernatural release. I gotta, I'm quickly moving. I promised I would. Supernatural release. You know, the text that I used today and I spoke to you out of 2 Corinthians and Philippians tell us that God will supply, God will supply all of your needs. And sometimes he'll do that supernaturally. You know, Proverbs 13, 22 uh, in fact, I think, guys, you'll have it on the screen. Proverbs thirteen twenty two. it says this, that a good man leaves an inheritance 
to his children's children, which means that there can be generational transfer of money. That's okay. But then it also says this, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Now, that's an interesting passage to me. What it means is this, is that there are people in the world that don't love God. They they aren't concerned about his purposes, his kingdom. But, you know, people that don't love Jesus still can do well. And what this says is this, is that people are out there and they're doing well, but there's going to be a transfer, a supernatural transfer of wealth, either by inheritance or by righteousness. And my question has always been, why haven't we seen that transfer happening? You know, we read these verses and we get excited about it, as we should, but, but why haven't we seen the transfer of wealth like the Bible says is going to happen? Here's what I believe. I believe that if God did that in our present condition, we would consume it on ourselves and not the vision it was meant for. I, I mean, you know, the Lord is gracious and kind and long-suffering and patient and loving and all these wonderful things, but he ain't stupid. He's not dumb. I mean, if he gave, right now, if he gave, if he, some of you here, if he gave you 500 bucks, you'd have that blown before you'd get home after church today. You would, you'd blow it on something that you'd never see again. That's the sad part. Something that you'd probably never see again. I'm not saying some of you have legitimate bills and challenges. And I I know, I know for many of you, you would, you would use it and you would take care of some responsibilities and God bless you. And that's what you should do. But I'm just telling you, our nature is in my pocket have you ever seen a teenager with money i mean you get 10 bucks in some teenagers pockets and it's like drive me to the mall drive me i mean it's like they get possessed at that moment you know their head starts spinning around i've got to go to the mall i've got 10 bucks you know and you know how it is they won't save up for 30 40 50 they got their 10 they're gonna spend they can't get any release going because they don't know how to handle it they consume it but God will release things supernaturally. I, I, in this church, we've had people, this is, I just keep telling it because it amazes me. A guy to this day that does not come to this church wrote me off several years ago a $20,000 check to help us renovate this place. And he never stepped into this church. He just gave us, saw what we were doing, gave us a $20,000 check. Hallelujah. I did a little dance in front of the mall. I got the money. I got the money. See, I like money as much as you do. But I didn't go to the Caribbean with it. If I had, I would then be in jail with it. Why did God release that money? It was to resource the vision. Then lastly, number five, which kind of fits on another one, but I put it in here and then I'm done. You'll need to participate in another's vision. That's what God always does. He doesn't exempt me from it. I have to participate in other vision in order for God to begin to participate in mine or his in me. That's what a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If I want to reap resource into whatever it is that God's asking of me, then I have to sow and participate in something that's out of my control. I believe that's why local church is established, because it's an opportunity as people attach and link and gather here. It's an opportunity for you to, for you to sow into something that maybe you don't control, but it gives you an opportunity to participate in other vision 
that in turn, God will multiply a reaping in your life in your vision. I mean, we've got to, we've got to realize this isn't just all about ourselves. Joshua participated in what Moses was doing. And so Joshua got to reap a destiny. Elisha participated in what Elijah was doing. And he got a great destiny. That is why we as individuals sow into ministries and sow into people and sow into other visions and sow into other projects. We as a local church, we sow into the Global 12 Project, which is planting thousands of churches all over the world. How many of you know, as we sow resource into that, and we sow into that vision, God will participate in our vision. We've sent money to church plants that we're starting. I've sent $1,000 to people who have started churches even around town here. I mean, we've started churches and we've released people. I mean... we've got to participate in something else in order to have God participate in our life. I'm telling you, there is probably more promise in this room per square inch than perhaps in any other location. I'm a little biased, as I ought to be. But I can look at you and I can see promise and I can see destiny and I can see possibility and I can look at us and I can... I can see a future that's absolutely over-the-top amazing. But in order for all of that to happen, we're going to have to learn what it means to take a step so that God can release the resource that we're going to need. Folks, if we're going to win our city, we're going to need some money, aren't we? We're going to need some resource. We're going to need some people. Sure we are. Nothing wrong with that. But we've got to understand how God brings it to us. And if we'll follow His ways, God's will, done God's way, will never lack God's resource. For where God guides, He provides. Amen? Come on, stand with me, will you? Thank you, Lord. Can I just get some live music and just make it soft behind me for just a minute, Laura? Can we do this? If I have some musicians, would you just begin to slip up here and just use that last song, that stock still song? But here's what I want to do right now. I want to pray before we go this morning. I want to pray because some of you right now, I haven't done this for a while, but you're needing to be resourced. Maybe you've got bills that have accrued and and you need to get some bills paid and it's not your fault. It's just it happened. Sometimes we make dumb decisions and we get ourselves in financial binds. And, uh, you know, we do that and sometimes God lets us languish there for a while so we catch the lessons that we needed to learn. But you know, even the Lord is compassionate and gracious and merciful. And when He sees us beginning to implement His precept and principle, you'd be amazed at what He'll do to help us accelerate our victory and our overcoming. And this is what I want to pray about this morning. I want to, I want to pray. Trace, why don't you just come up here and join me. We're going we're gonna to pray this morning. Just step up here. And we're going to pray this morning that God will begin to provide for you and your future and your promise. I want you, I want you to be encouraged this morning. I, I realize you may be in a very challenging moment. Nehemiah probably had some tough moments. I know Joseph being in prison had some tough moments. I'm sure Moses in a wilderness had some tough moments. David in a sheep field had some tough moments. Paul as he's sewing his tents, feeling like he's got destiny in his bones, and yet 
He doesn't have resource. I'm sure he was discouraged in moments. But do you understand how greatly God used these people? Because they just stayed faithful and did it God's way. I believe there are people, maybe everyone, that are exactly like that. But you've got to be willing. You've got to be willing to do it God's way. I'm more than happy to pray for you, but you've got to be honest enough to say, you know what, I'm going to do, do my life God's way. And I know he'll resource. I expect, I believe, I am confident. I have every reason to know that I know that I know that he will bring me in. Boy, we can pray about that. And we can watch God move. Amen? For some of you, listen to me, for some of you, it, it, you wouldn't want to admit that you have resource needs. Because that would attack your pride. Just let it die. Just, just once and for all, just leave it at your seat. Let it die. And if you just let it die, <laughs> God will raise it up. Amen. Yes. God says yes to you. Amen. He does. He does. He says if you'll humble yourself before the Lord, He will exalt you in due season. Yes, He will. I believe He will, Bobby. How about you? You want to be prayed for like that? Come on, join Bobby. Join Pastor Trace. Pastor Baird, come on, join us. We're going to pray for you, man. I, I, God's going to meet needs and open windows. He's going to resource you. you got to be willing, though. Remember, there, I probably said something in here that God is talking to you about. you got to be prepared. It's all right. Do you, do you understand? i got a resource need. If you were listening carefully, I had to get rid of $232 the other day. That was everything. So i got a couple of resource needs. I got to clear some land off too. I got a resource need. It is coming. Some things are some things are cooking in the background. I believe that's true. You know what? I'd like for a bank to have favor on me. One hadn't happened yet. I got a resource need. I got a resource need. It's all right. It's all right. Do you realize 95% of America has a resource need right now? Right now. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Come on, open up your hearts up right now. Everybody just kind of open yourself up to the Lord. Say, Lord, right now, I'm making some commitments to you. I'm going to receive some prayer this morning. And Lord, I'm believing that a page is turning because a chapter of my life is ending and a new chapter is starting. And Lord, a part of this new chapter as I'm stepping into it is going to take some resource. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's people. Maybe it's some other resource I'm just not grabbing hold of that people have right now. Maybe maybe it's just an area, Lord, that's unique to what they are doing. But, Lord, it's a need that only you can meet. Hallelujah. Lord, let resource, let resource begin to flow in these, these ways. Hand me that handheld mic. Is there one down here? Salem, bring that up to your mom. Here's what we're going to do. Trace, just pray for the women right now. Just, just pray for the women. Lord, I just thank you for these awesome women of power, Lord. We are women of power because, Lord, part of the E of power is expectation. Yeah. And, Lord, we are women who come up here this morning without a doubt in our heart that you are our provider. And, Lord, we as women have got to realize that even if we have a man of God in our life, he, that man is not our provider. But, Lord, you are our provider. Lord, we have a lot of single moms down here this yes. morning. And, Lord, they don't need yes. a man. Lord, they have the man, and his name is Jesus. Yes. His name is the Holy Spirit. 
He is our provider. He is our deliverer. He is our wisdom, Lord. And I pray this morning that for these women of power down here this morning, that first of all, they would believe that they are women of power. They would stop believing the lie of the enemy. And they would begin to believe that God is going to give them wisdom. He's going to give them direction. He's going to give them witty ideas. Many of them have talents and abilities. But yet, Lord, some of them have not humbled themselves to say that their haughty talent could be used in a smaller way. That's a prophetic word for somebody in this room this morning. That God has given you things. And yes, you used to get paid the big dog bucks someplace, but God has shut that door because he is saying, I am opening a door that you you felt was beneath you. But God is saying, I will give you a place. Stop thinking so prideful. Close that door in your mind and say, Lord, I repent and I lay myself at the altar of your will. And Lord, where I know that where you guide, you will provide. But Lord, I'm going to give you permission to guide. Because some of us are holding back. And we're not being provided for by the Lord because our pride is in the way. And I may not be what Pastor wanted me to pray or how, what he thought I was going to say. But the Lord is saying that we are mighty women of power. And we have got to trust in our God. Trust above all things what we can see and what we can what we have see before our eyes. We are visual people and we've got to stop seeing the natural and begin to see the supernatural. Because yeah. God is more than enough yeah. in Jesus' name. Yes, and now I pray for the men. Guys, come on, begin to receive. Lord, I pray for the men right now. By and large, Lord, they're usually looked at as the breadwinners. They're the ones that are looked at as usually the point people when it comes to resources. And Lord, I pray right now that you would put into them a spirit, or renew even a spirit, Lord, of faith and expectation. Lord, in the name of Jesus, that they would begin to believe you in areas of finance. Lord, that you would you would break them out of the uh, natural caution. Lord, we're not asking them to throw everything into the breeze or into the wind. But Lord, I'm praying right now that there would be a spirit of faith that would begin to ignite inside of them. That would cause them to, to dare to believe and dare to step and dare to take a shot. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, there is such promise in the men. Lord, I just speak right now. I call those things that be not as though they were. I I declare mighty men of God. They're rising up in the name of Jesus. With power and with passion and with resource and with zeal in Jesus' name. That, Lord, they would be leaders worthy of being followed. Lord, Lord, help us as men that our wives and our families don't follow us just because they're supposed to but they follow us because they want to and they see they see what you're doing in our lives in jesus name and lord i break i break poverty off of this people in the name of jesus spirit of poverty i rebuke you in jesus name spirit of lack we drive you out in the name of jesus with every fear that's associated with it No fear. I want everyone to say, no fear. Come on, no fear. I am. Come on, say it. I am the beloved. I have a right to kingdom resource as I'm obedient to the heart of God. We have not because we've asked not. And I'm asking this morning. 
for you to release resource. I confess I have a need. Lord, my need is met. Say, I believe it. I may not see it, but I believe it. My need is met according to the riches that are found in Christ Jesus. It's good for me. In Jesus' name. Can you say amen and so be it? Come on. Come on. You got to get happy. Hey, listen. Listen. Think about this. The dude at the door. I'm here from Publishers Clearinghouse. What would happen at that moment? Come on, Robert. What would happen, right? If all of a sudden, the dude just knocking on the door. I'm from Publishers Clearinghouse. Come on, you go. Come on, that's what you do. Hey, hear me this morning. God sing. Kingdom resource. Are you getting it? Resource kingdom. Think of it. Because, see, we're, we're far more attuned to going, woo, when it's the dude from Publishers Clearinghouse. God, God is reaching down to you. And he's saying, I can do this thing. So you're, you're, this is a whole new adventure. But God can do this thing. He will do this thing. Don't they? They come in that dog grooming place of yours, and God moves in that place, doesn't he? A dog grooming place. Imagine that. Come on. you got to get that in your spirit. The front door right there. I was just driving by. I hear you need some trees moved. See? You with me? See, that's how, it, that's how some of that translates for me. How does it translate for you? Who's knocking? God's knocking. God's knocking. Come on. Come on. You got to do your part now. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, I'll open the door. And opens the door. You got you. You got it. See, you got it. You're with me now, all right? So when you walk out of here, you can't be, you can't do this on the way. I go, yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, that's good preaching, but I uh, will see. No way. Kingdom resource. Wherever your vision is, that's where your resource is coming. You're getting it. Amen. Father, I pray right now as I cut them loose today, your people, these are your people, your folks. Congregation, Lord, all, they're your folks. Lord, I ask that you'd establish now some things in their heart and mind. Oh, let it be unshakable. Let it be unshakable. Let them never, never be able to shake it off. That, Lord, God's will, done God's way, will never lack God's resource. For where you guide, you provide. Lord, we're on that journey. We're taking some steps. And we really anticipate, Lord, you doing some unbelievable, over-the-top, impossible, miraculous things. Lord, thank you for doing it in this people. I'm praying for this people, Lord. I'm praying that you would distinguish them in the earth. That you would cause them to be uncommon. That you would cause them just to be, Lord, not in an arrogant way, but just let their lives be distinguished wherever you place them. 
so that others might see and know that you are the one true and living God. Lord, bless them. Cause this week, Lord, I'm just praying it again. Cause this week to be unusual. Lord, let things happen that they've been waiting to see happen. Let it begin to happen this week. Let them be encouraged by your interventions in their life. Lord, we're not giving up. We're not turning back. We're not throwing in the towel. We are pressing into the things of the kingdom. And Lord, we give you thanks that you are worthy of the pursuit. We love you. We honor you. We say together, Jesus is Lord. Yes, he is. In his mighty name. Amen. And amen. Amen. Keep playing, guys. Just keep playing, guys. God bless you. God good. All right, now. Give someone a holy high five before you go. And love each other. Hug some necks and shake some hands. I hope I see you on Wednesday night. Don't forget, connect groups are happening all this week. God bless you. You're released.